Welcome back to another week of the Post-Sermon Reflections podcast. Uh, I am elated, uh, trying to practice some new words uh, for how I feel about coming on the podcast. It's always a joy uh, to be with you guys and to get to hear your thoughts and how you've been encouraged. Um, If you are not subscribed, I just ask right now that you would go and subscribe. It's the best way for you to receive notifications. You'll notice that this podcast came out a little later because we are recording it on a Monday rather than a Sunday uh, because we wanted to have this conversation with Pastor Brennan to to recap some of the things we've been learning in this search sermon series. Um, And I just wanted to hear his heart uh, for how he has been experiencing God working in his heart as he's been preaching this series. And so, Pastor Brennan, say hello. Hop on in. Ruth, it is a joy. Thanks so much for, for having me. I'm, I'm used to being the recipient of the post-sermon podcast. When I'm doing dishes, I pop it on and, <laughs> and uh, listen to, to you guys kind of unpack the sermon. So it's, uh, it's cool to be on the other end. Yes. Uh, but hope it's a, a blessing to others as I've been blessed by the, the yeah. post-sermon podcast. So grateful uh, that you join in and hop in to listen. I'm always encouraged by the ways that you've been challenged or you're encouraged to hear other voices come in and, and talk about this conversation. Um, so I'd love to hear... We're almost halfway through, and so I was happy that we had this like pause in this moment to say, all right, what has like, God been teaching us in all of this? Because there's always individual messages, but oftentimes in his word, we're seeing him weave in themes that he's specifically convicting our church and our people of. And so what are some themes or, or areas that you've really seen him weave throughout each sermon that you've been convicted of or want to draw our attention to? Yeah, so I think that the title of the series, The Search, uh, is, is, is really meant to be twofold. So we, we, you know, each time I talk about, oh, okay, you know, we're moving through the Gospel of John, except for this detour. Into Anomaly in Luke, uh, yeah. But if you're talking about the search, you got to include Zacchaeus. But um, each time in sort of unpacking the beginning of the, the text, I'll just sort of frame the sermon series and talk about how in the Gospel of John, we see, you know, radically diverse people coming from all different walks mm-hmm. of life, and they're all asking um, the big ant they're looking for the big answers, right? They're yeah. asking the big questions of life. Um, and they're finding the answers to those biggest questions in Jesus. So so there's that okay. idea of the search. We're searching for answers, we're searching for meaning, we're searching for more. Um, but then the other side of the search is that while we're searching, and we don't even understand sometimes at that point, we're actually searching for God, we're searching for yeah. Jesus. But in that search for more, we realize that Jesus is searching for us. Yeah. And not searching with a, a lack of knowledge or understanding, right? But he's yeah. pursuing. Yeah. Uh, he's pursuing us as we're pursuing more. He's mm-hmm. searching for us as we're searching for more. So I think um, not hitting every single story in the Gospel of John, but we're zeroing in on yeah. these, uh, these sort of encounters, right? Where Jesus has encounters with mm-hmm. individuals. And I think each time the subtext, the subplot is that um, the Holy Spirit was already at work in their hearts. Mm-hmm. So by the time they encounter Jesus, um, they have been experiencing things in their lives. They've been asking questions. Yeah. They're having these desires, these yearnings for more. And then they're finding fulfillment for those desires in Jesus Christ. They're finding satisfaction yeah. in Jesus Christ. And, and, and so that's really the heart behind the series. So um, I think at a, an initial glance, we look at this series and we say, oh, this is for the, the, the not yet believer, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and in a sense, it is. And um, we're going through a season right now in preaching where we really are trying to um, intentionally engage the not yet believer. Yeah. And in so doing, help our people 
equip the believer to understand yeah. what this search looks like, the questions people are asking, yeah. and and how we can point them to Jesus. Yeah. Um, we're going to be going into this winter to some uh, what we might call like heavier discipleship sermon series, mm-hmm. where we're really uh, going to be challenging believers and challenging us to deal with our stuff and live on yeah. mission. And how do we persevere through hard circumstances yeah. as we uh, get to uh, the book of Daniel this winter? Yeah. So excited about that. But I think this is a, a nice time for us to just sort of dig deep into, hey, what does this search look like? The questions yeah. people are asking, the problems that they're experiencing, yeah. uh, this, this yearning for more. So that's really what the, the series has been about. But um, wanting to encourage people as we're called to live on gospel mission, uh, as we're burdened for our neighbor or burdened for our family member or yeah. um, connecting with, you know, with people at the gym or wherever we yeah. are, um, that there's this idea that we don't go about living on gospel mission alone. Yeah. Uh, we've been deployed yeah. by the commander, Jesus Christ, uh, but he uh, not only gives us marching orders, but he empowers us and he prepares the circumstances and he's yeah. drawing people by the power of his spirit. So um, I think that's a, an encouragement that I would want to share. And just a, a quick little story. Um, and it was, I'm reminded of this because uh, just a conversation I had yesterday, but uh, a sweet woman in our church um, really has a burden to see people who uh, don't yet know Jesus Christ come to faith in yeah. him. And um, so there she is at work, just living on gospel mission, sharing um, the love of Jesus with coworkers. And there was a coworker of hers who she really kind of was burdened for, knew that um, they were struggling with some things. And she really began to share the truth of Jesus. And what was so encouraging was as she was sharing more and more and being bolder and bolder yeah. and sharing her faith, she was realizing God was already at work yeah. in the life of this person. Yeah. And um, it was so cool to, they, they brought them to church yesterday, which was awesome just yeah. got to, um, to see what was happening there. And there's just this joy on her face. Mm. Um, and, and I think part of that joy is that she understands that she's not working alone. Yes. That her efforts yeah, yeah. are not in vain because um, the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, like yeah. this cosmic magnet, right, is drawing people to himself. So yeah. we just get to be a part of what he's doing. Yeah. Um, and you were using that phrase earlier. It's sort of like, you know, we go overturning rocks, right? Yeah. Uh, to see what we find, knowing that um, Jesus is already at work yeah. uh, and we're going to find that he's already working under some of these rocks as we're overturning them. Yeah. Um, so, so I think that's just an encouragement uh, for people. And sometimes we get so nervous or so, you know, anxious uh, yeah. about stuff and um, where we need to be confident that, Hey, as we're bold in, in, in pursuing people and sharing the love of Jesus with them, we don't operate alone yeah. and that uh, we're trusting that the, the power of the Holy spirit is at work yeah. and we don't know. We don't know, you know, where is the spirit working? So, hey, let's just go talk to everybody, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Let's leverage our relationships and begin so to good. point people towards the truth of the gospel, yeah. knowing that we have no power in and of ourselves to yeah. draw these people, but we know that everyone's searching. Yeah. Um, and if God is pursuing people, then we're never going to know who he's pursuing unless yeah. we open our mouths. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I think it's like so encouraging when we recognize that we participate in God's search for people yeah. in that we are, we're just the conduits of his looking. Yeah. Meaning like I always talk about in evangelism, we're looking for eyes that are looking for us, yeah. but we know those eyes are actually looking for Jesus and they're seeing the Jesus inside of us. Ideally, they're seeing the Jesus inside of us. And we get to say like, actually, you're like not looking for any of the goodness in me. You're looking for the one whose goodness flows through me yeah. because he's, oh, I'm connecting you to the source. I'm holding his hand, trying to connect your hand to his hand. Yeah. And I made you just in my relationship with you, I'm getting to show you, actually, he's the ultimate fulfillment 
of what you've been longing for. Yeah. You've been you've been longing for a partner in life and you've been searching for that love in other places. Actually, let me tell you, love is perfected in the person of Jesus and he teaches us how to love others when we fully embrace his love. Yeah. I think there's just this like beautiful reality where we get to say like, man, I'm on mission and my mission is to find those who are seeking Jesus and to say, I've actually found what you're looking for and I'd love for you to find it yeah. because like everything you want is going to start connecting and it's not going to be immediate. Yeah. All your dots aren't going to be connected right away, but you get to be invited into this journey of living a life with the one you were meant to live a life with. Yeah. Um, Cause I think like we're in like a love obsessed culture and I think one of the one of the cool things is like we get to speak into that and be like, actually, you're searching for something that's only found first in Jesus and then is perfected by an understanding of who Jesus is. We can love others rightly because we're rightly loved. It like flows. It's this flow that, that comes out. Cause that's what I see like in my friends. Of like, man, they're so obsessed with trying to find the perfect boyfriend, trying to trying to find like the perfect friends. And it's like, oh, like we can't actually love rightly if we're not first loved rightly, and then we can, then we can love others from a place of security because it's like found in Christ. So that's like, that was like some of the dots that were connecting for me thinking of inviting my friends into a a relationship with Jesus. What do you think um, is challenging when it comes to trying to search for others? Like what are some of the unique challenges believers have in saying, I want to live on mission. I want to be someone who's participating in God's search. What are some of the bumps in the road that you think they may experience? You know, I think one of the most intimidating things about this idea of sharing our faith is, you know, how do you even strike up a conversation with someone, right? Like, do you have to be this like incredibly awkward person and like walk over to some stranger in a store and say, did you know Jesus was searching for you? You know, like, like, tell me your deepest desires in life and I'll show you how Jesus fulfills that. Like, like, how do you begin to start that conversation? Mm -hmm. And I think if we are asking the Lord, and we have a sincere desire mm-hmm. to see people come to know Jesus. And we're asking the Lord to put us in, in positions, to put us in places at the right place at the right time and to open doors. And as he's opening doors that we would be faithful in walking through. Yeah. Them. I think that's a, a mindset that we need to bring to the evangelism table. Yeah. Um, and I think a, a, just a cool story. Um, uh, some people listen to the podcast would know uh, Audley Matos. He's you know newer to Crosspoint, yeah. um, just awesome brother in Christ. And uh, there was an opportunity uh, for Crosspoint to provide um, a preacher for a church that that the pastor needed a break and yeah. he was looking for someone to preach that Sunday. So uh, I reached out to Audley, um, and this would be his his first or second time, I think, yeah, preaching second. in like a formal church context. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, hey man, what do you think about this? And he's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I usually share my faith more naturally on the street with people and stuff yeah. like that. And I said, well, listen, would you be willing to do this? And uh, he said, yeah, I'll do it. Um, so we met up. Uh, it was uh, a Monday afternoon. He was preaching that coming Sunday because we found out about this kind of late. And uh, so we met up at the Panera over at Marketplace in Hamilton. And uh, we're just sitting down and we're, we're talking through John 16, talking through the text and, and thinking about, you know, how can he unpack this and share this? And we're just kind of having this conversation. These two guys come over and uh, they were sitting near us and they overheard the conversation. So they come over and they're like, hey, you know, we hear you guys talking about, you know, spiritual things and, and that's awesome. And, and we're in AA and, uh, you know, so we're basically talking about all the same stuff. And, and, and it was like struck up this, this really cool conversation. So I started talking to the one guy yeah. and all these starts talking to the other guy. Tag, so as we're, tag team. <laughs> So, so as we're having this conversation, I'm like in my head, like th- trying to think strategically. Yeah, like, yeah. okay. How, how what we, language is going to land? Yeah, yeah you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Like, how do I go about doing this? And then all of a sudden I overhear Audley and he's just telling this guy, hey man, what you got to understand is AA is helpful, 
but A doesn't point you to Jesus. And what you need, brother, is Jesus. And I was like, dang, all they just... He yeah. just got right to he's, it, man. He said, I actually know what we got to say. <laughs> and uh, so it was just, it was beautiful. Mm. It really was beautiful. Yeah. And uh, so he's, you know, just talking to this guy about Jesus, ends up praying with him. And it's just mm. a great exchange. Just the, the four of us in conversation yeah. was really awesome, but it's it so beautiful. And then, um, so they get going and we get back to like our formal sermon discussion, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Audley's like, yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm kind of nervous about, and I was like, dude, you just share Jesus so naturally yeah. with that guy. And so all we're going to do is look at this text and say, how do you share Jesus with this congregation? You know? Yeah. So, but I think in that situation, it was very clear that the Lord was opening a door. And as yeah. we sat back down, Audley and I were like, man, can you believe this? Like we could have been meeting at the church, but God had us meet here yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this conversation. Yeah. And, so good. Um, so we were just marveling at that. Like, so the Lord opened a door and oddly walked right through it. Yeah. I mean, he just walked right through that door, mm. um, was, was, was courageous, was compassionate, was loving. Yeah. Um, but he, he wasn't shrinking back in any way. Yeah. He walked mm. through the door that the Lord opened. And I think a lot of times we don't realize that the Lord is opening doors. Yeah. Uh, we sort of have blind. Or we shut on. them. Yeah. Yeah. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he opens the door and we just are too afraid to Absolutely walk. Absolutely not. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's and okay. then we, we, I think we tell ourselves it wasn't really an open door. Okay. Keep telling yourself. <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 Um, we make but, excuses. Yeah. But I think when we are asking the Lord to give us opportunities, I mean, sometimes you think about like, we know that God answers all prayer. Sometimes it's a yes. Sometimes it's a no. Yes. It's a wait. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there are certain prayers that God like really wants to say yes to. Mm. And one of those prayers is, Lord, show me someone that I can connect to the love of Jesus. Like, yeah. like that's a yes. You know what I mean? Like that's a straight yeah. up we yes. We know that's his heart. You know, like yeah, that's yeah. his heart. We see it over and over again in scripture. Yeah. So I think if we're asking the Lord to open up doors and then we're saying, Lord, would you give me eyes to see mm. the doors that you're opening? I think we will be blown away yeah. at how many doors the Lord opens for us. Yeah, yeah. That our issue is not that he doesn't want to work in us. The issue is that we sometimes are hesitant to ask him to work through us. Yes. Like we're saying, oh, I just like, I hear all these stories about people sharing their faith. And we're like, yeah, those people, they're just looking up yes. to Jesus and saying, Jesus, who are you looking for? And yeah. they're trying to partner yeah. with the work that he's doing. There's nothing miraculous happening, yeah. meaning they're, they're special. No, no, there's nothing special. They're just saying, God, I see what you're trying to do. And I'm trying to be on board with what you're trying to do. And I want to be on your team rather than being just a passive a passive participant, right. meaning God has to smack us in the face because sometimes he does. Sometimes there's no option. You're, you're put in situations and you're like, I could be a coward right now or I'm going to naturally do what you're calling me yeah. to do. But there's other situations that may, may not feel as clear and sometimes he asks us to do something that feels maybe a little more awkward. Yeah. But we just say, man, I just want to, if I'm going to take a risk, I'm going to take a risk knowing I'm in line with your heart right. rather than just being, oh, I got my headbuds in Panera. I just don't want to talk to nobody. And sometimes people literally will take your probably earbuds out and he'll make you talk to them at Panera. I know we've, we've had funny conversations about your second office at Panera where God allows you to minister to some of the, some of the workers there and yep. just have sweet conversations of a, a long form of evangelism yeah. where you're pouring out God's identity yeah. over people who are majorly confused or, or struggling in unique ways. And I think there's just this sweetness to say like, God, help me see people for what they are. Meant I, to be in relationship with you. Yeah, yeah. I had a great conversation with a, a Satan worshiper at, yes. at, at Panera. I remember. Yeah. That was disorienting, but awesome. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's important for us to remember that Jesus said that the harvest is plentiful, mm-hmm. but the workers are few. Yeah. And we live in the Philadelphia region. In South Jersey, Southeast Pennsylvania, the, the believing population is 4.2%, meaning yeah. only 
four out of every 100 people have a saving relationship with Jesus yeah. Christ. Um, and that's encouraging because in 2010, it was 3.11%. And in 2020, it was 4.2%. Mm. So it's, it's going in the right direction. Yeah. But like 96% of the people yeah. we interact with outside of the walls of the church do not know yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, so there's plenty of opportunities for us yeah. to encounter people who are searching for more. Mm. That's so good. Yeah. Oh. And I think the, the beauty is, is that the more we look at Jesus, the better we get at seeing people that are seeking him because that's what he was doing when he was here for his three years and then his death and resurrection. His ultimate mission was to bring people who were not connected to him, connected to him. And that's been his plan this whole time. <laughs> we see from the garden to the later garden we see in Revelation, he's actually just been reconciling people to himself. And we get to be a part of that work, which I think is really awesome. Um, I'm going to take a slight turn, maybe a detour, and we'll get back to kind of the main road we're talking about. Um, when I was listening to the sermon on Zacchaeus's life, I was really um, thinking for myself, what are ways in which I grumble with grace? Um, sometimes there's truth people and there's grace people, and I definitely lean towards the grace side. I definitely lean towards the gray, and God's like, whoa, just remember, remember like my truth is is definitive, but there are moments that I can I can grumble with it of being like, man, do they really know you? Like, could they know you? I'm seeing these things. Like, are you, are you really going to forgive them again? Or even I grumble at grace in my own life. Can you really forgive me again? Doubting God's work in my life. Um, and I, I was kind of wanting to ask the question, how do you see people tempted to walk in religion over relationship, both inside, meaning people who know Jesus, and for the not yet believer, people who don't know Jesus? Where do you see them maybe leaning towards religion rather than relationship, which is obviously leaning towards grace. Clarifying question. Yeah, please. Right, so I'm, I'm I love here. I love a long-winded question, just so you know. It's one of, <laughs> one of my flaws. Okay, so I, I'm hearing two things there. Yeah. So the first is kind of unpacking one of the takeaways from the sermon, yeah. which was don't grumble at grace. Yeah. Um, and then you were asking about how do um, both the believer and the not yet believer kind of have a default setting for religion. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So why don't we tackle, let's, let's tackle the takeaway one first, if that's all right. Yeah, no, please. Yeah. So um, in the sermon text, uh, Luke chapter 19 was the first 10 verses, the story of Zacchaeus, kind of a famous story, right? Yeah. Especially for, for children. You know, yeah, Zacchaeus yeah. was a little We talked to him Clades Club last week, last Nine. time I was on a tree. <laughs> awesome. awesome. Um, so I think the, the, the takeaway really, that takeaway flowed from verse seven. So uh, verse seven says, uh, when they saw it, and it being Jesus extending grace to the yeah. most hated man in town. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's important that we understand, like we think, oh, Zacchaeus, oh, he's a short guy. What a sweet little guy. Dude was hated. Total I mean, this was a reviled human being yeah. who sold his soul to the devil yeah. to get rich. Yeah. Um, I mean, this guy was, it's hard for us, I think, to really appreciate the animosity that people had towards yeah. Zacchaeus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So imagine like the guy who's been robbing you blind lives next door to you and you're struggling financially and he's just killing it financially. Yeah. So much joy all money. stealing all your things. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so I think that, that to me, it's just so poignant when they saw it, when they saw Jesus embrace this man who yeah. they hated, yeah. when they saw Jesus lead with grace mm -hmm. and then follow with truth, um, they grumbled. Yeah. They resented it. They were upset. They were angry. They were complaining. There was this posture of grumbling in their heart. Mm. Um, and, and we just talked about this idea that the very essence of grace, if you've received it, you can never grumble about it yeah. no matter who else receives it. Mm. Um, so the idea of grace, this free, 
unmerited, undeserved love and mercy and forgiveness that we have in Jesus Christ, that he looks at Zacchaeus and says, I want to stay at your house. I want to be your friend. I want to come into your life. He, he embraces him as is, right? He doesn't ask Zacchaeus to give away all his money first to, to make things right before yeah. he'll be his friend. He embraces yeah. him as is. He extends grace and they grumbled at that grace. Mm. Um, I think as believers, we sometimes forget that the same grace that saved us is extended to even our worst enemies. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, that's hard, hard. right? That's hard. So let's say you've been abused as a kid. Yeah. Someone who should have protected you, cared for you, loved you. They abused you. And now that person has come to the end of themselves. They've experienced the grace of Jesus Christ. The same grace that touched you has touched them. Yeah. Can we rejoice in that? That's hard. It's hard. That's really hard. Yeah. Um, and let's say you are a, a Messianic Jew living in Israel. Yeah. Okay. You've embraced Christ as a Jewish Messiah. Um, and, and you've seen Hamas kill your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers. And now this guy, Masab Hassan Youssef, the, the son of Hamas, yeah. the next leader of Hamas, he comes to faith in Jesus Christ he gets to experience the same grace that you experienced as a, as a decent, morally upright human mm. being. That's hard. Yeah. Can, that, we, can we rejoice? Can we rejoice at that? And I, I think what I wanted to challenge us with is if we can't rejoice in that, then we really truly don't understand the essence of grace. Yeah. 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 That there's, there's something that is not right. Yeah. Like when we, when we shy away from God's radical grace. Yeah. And we're like, it's too much. Yeah. It's too much. We we have actually a bad lens yeah. of our dirtiness and our sin because my sin's no different yeah. than Hitler's. I Meaning like I have the same capacity for like that was like a fascinating, like you talked about, I think two series ago, um, the guy who was looking at um Adolf Eichmann. Adolf Eichmann being yeah. like the capacity for evil is in that man, but that it's in me. Yeah. Like that's been that's been really helpful for me to be like, I'm the same sin problem is in all human beings. Yes. And it's, it, it, however it manifests, doesn't matter. I'm separated from God, regardless if it's just lying, yeah. which lying's bad. Yeah. Or if it's mur- systematically murdering an entire people group, it's, it's wrong and it separates me from my relationship yeah. and, with God. And for the listener right now who's saying, Ruth, how dare you compare telling a few lies to systematically annihilating six million Jewish people? Um, and in a sense, yeah, they're right in asking that question, yeah. right? Like, yeah. whoa, time out. Yeah, yeah. But if we think about it this way, if we are all sinners and we all owe a sin debt to God, mm. some people might own like a $36 billion sin debt. Yeah. Like the national debt of the United States, $36 billion. <laughs> no, we can't pay it, right? Yeah. Um, but if you only owe a $30,000 sin debt, but you can't pay the 30000 then we're all matter. in the same boat. Doesn't matter. Right. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter how big the debt is. If you can't pay the debt, yeah. then we're both toast, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that's helpful for us to remember when it comes yeah. to the gospel. Yeah. Yes, some people may have done some darker things. Yeah. Or their 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 sin receipts might be a lot longer than yeah, yours. Yeah. Okay. But at the end of the day, none of us can repay the debt. Yeah. And that's why we all equally are in need of the grace of God through Jesus Christ. Yeah. Jesus paid all of our debts. Yeah. No matter how few or how many, he paid yeah. all of our debts. Yeah. And none of us could pay that debt ourselves. Yeah. yeah. And to like the one who has forgiven much, they love much. And to the one who has forgiven little, they love little. And I think there's a reality of like, we aren't actually asking how much we've been forgiven. 
And that's like the pers- like that's the perspective that we miss sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> that we're like, we don't take seriously our sin yes. against God. Yeah. Um, because it's not just that like the person should rejoice that they were a serial killer. It's the person who should, re- anyone, everyone can rejoice that we've been forgiven much. And I think the deeper we go into seeing the darkness of our own heart, yeah. the longer we realize our sin receives. <laughs> yes, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, and I've always been blessed. Uh, I think Tim Keller got this from a pastor he had heard like growing up in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. But um, it's a really famous line. It's uh, the gospel tells us that we are more sinful than we could ever know. Yeah. And yet in Jesus, we are more loved, more embraced than we could ever imagine. Mm. Um, and that's really the depths of yeah. the gospel. Yeah. Uh, even the, the morally upright person, when they really get into the deep understanding of sin that we see in the scriptures, we realize, man, I'm pretty wicked. Yeah. <laughs> man, there yeah. is some darkness. I mean, you think Yehiel Denor, the man who's there at the trial of Adolf Eichmann, mm. He could have just pointed the finger at Eichmann with everyone else and said, look at how horrible he yeah. is. And yet in that moment, he, he actually fainted because he was so overwhelmed with the reality that mm. the same darkness that's in Eichmann is in him as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh. It's like so, so sobering. So sobering. Um, and so looking at when we, when we look at like the radical news of grace, we recognize there's this invitation towards relationship. But sometimes we just want to, say, I, I, Captain Jesus, I just want to be good enough to be loved by you. And I think that's the tension between religion and relationship. Um, where do you see that temptation for us as believers? We'll start there. For us as believers, where is this temptation to forget the grace and to forget that Jesus is actually just drawing us into like embrace the gospel and live out of the gospel rather than embrace that, okay, we know he has things he wants us to do, I'm just going to do them to know that I'm right before him. Cause it's almost like this, this thin line in our hearts. And, and I think I was talking last night, the thin line to me is like this attitude of gratefulness of like, when I'm grateful, I'm aware that I didn't deserve. And when I'm not grateful and I'm lo- looking towards duty to feel better about myself, that's when I'm siding towards religion rather than you know, a, a joyful obedience that comes from a life of gratefulness. Where do you see that in the believers right now where they're kind of siding towards religion rather than embracing the relationship Jesus has really called them to? That's a great question. I think one way that happens is we look at salvation as a one-off event. Yeah. Okay. So justification. Yeah. 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 So we think about our salvation. We say, okay, like I was, I I was dead in my sin and I need forgiveness and I've, I've trusted in Jesus and he's accepted me. Mm. And now I need to like prove that I'm worthy of that acceptance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of the root of, uh, yeah. when we can fall into the default, um, our religious instincts because religion is, is innate. I think it, yeah. it, it really is. It's, it's, it's embedded in the human heart. Yeah. Uh, this idea of wanting to, uh, we know that there's something wrong yeah. at the end of the day. We know there's a darkness, there's something broken and we need to cover it up. We yeah. need to do something about yeah. it. We need to demonstrate to others, to ourselves, to mm-hmm. God, yeah. um, that we can kind of overcome that darkness. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think in the gospel, we we say, okay, I, in Christ, I am forgiven. Mm. He has washed me clean. Um, now I need to maintain that acceptance yeah. uh, by being a good Christian. Um, so when we think about like our daily devotions, for example, if we're not careful, we can look at something that is a a, a, a blessing, a yeah. gift. Yeah. It's, an, it's a um, an avenue of grace, mm-hmm. right? It's something that we can grab a hold of to experience more of God's grace in our lives. But if we lose focus that the, the goal of 
Devotions is not to check a box on our Bible reading plan. The goal of devotions is to commune with the living God of the universe through his word. Mm. Um, so even devotions can become sort of a religious activity yeah. if we're not remembering that I'm not more accepted because I finished the Bible reading plan on time. Yeah. That's a great thing. That's a great accomplishment. Someone needs to hear that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a great yeah. accomplishment, but yeah. I am no more accepted. God doesn't love me more because I finished the Bible reading plan on time. Yeah. Um, and that, that's, that's important for us to remember because our default settings in our mind kind of go back to, okay, I've been accepted, but now I got to maintain that acceptance. Yeah. Uh, and that becomes really scary. Yeah. That becomes really scary. So we're, we're, we're pointing people towards this special in-gathering, right? Mm -hmm. A special offering for the building fund on yeah. December 3rd. Um, if someone goes and clears out like all their savings or all their investments and they drop this huge gift in the in-gathering, God doesn't accept them anymore. He doesn't love them anymore because of that radical yeah. gift. And he wouldn't love them any less if they ignored the prompting of the Holy Spirit and didn't give anything at all. Mm. That's how radical yeah. the gospel is. We yeah. don't, not only do we not earn our acceptance, but we don't maintain our acceptance yeah. in any of our religious works. Mm. Um, but we can say, Lord, I, I see how I'm very anxious about money how I, I, my default setting is to be afraid and anxious and kind of stingy and, and, and withhold and, and, and hold things back, hold them for myself. Would you free me up? Mm. Would you change my heart so I can be open-handed with my resources and say, Lord, would you just give me a spirit of generosity so I'd be able to give for your glory? Yeah. Um, but not, Lord, would you free me up so I could give so you could love me more? Yeah. Right? But that's the dangerous subtext there yeah. that yeah. we're not aware of sometimes. Yeah. So I think those are some of those ways that we can fall back into a religiosity. We can fall back into uh, seeing Christianity as, as another religion that gives us good advice about how we should live so that God will be pleased with us. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. I think the the picture for me that's been like so helpful is thinking about like the divine what like the divine wedding feast. Like that's the picture that comes to mind to say like the seat at the table that I have was not earned by me. I'm a daughter beloved by the king and I get to sit there only because God said sit there and enjoy. That's it. And so I can sit there because, because my son shed yes. his blood for you to yeah. secure that seat. Yeah. Yes. And so when I sit there, I'm a blood-bought daughter of the king. That's it. That's all that I am. None of my deeds got me there. Yeah. They were all just outpourings of gratefulness. They're all just, hey, I want you to be made much of in my life. I want to get away everything that stops your presence from flowing in my life. I want to get rid of all of it so that I can actually just enjoy you. Of like the I talk about, this has like been the picture that's been really helpful for me. Like in marriage, people have boundaries because it protects covenant love. Like the reason you have boundaries in marriage or in any relationships, because you're protecting something Yeah. of like all the rules. The reason God had rules for his people is he's protecting covenant love. And so when I'm hesitant towards wanting one of his rules, I just say, hey, is this affecting the covenant love that we have? Can I love you and feel loved by you in this? Or is there something in the way? Because if there's something in the way, it's got to go. Yeah. It's got to get out of here. Like I, the reason someone may not listen to secular music, not saying all people can't listen, to, but the reason might be that affects their covenant love. And so they're getting rid of something. Yeah. The Bible doesn't specifically say, hey, no secular music, but they recognize the, hey, is it helpful? If it's not helpful, yeah. and my, all things are lawful, but if it's not helpful, it's got to go. Yeah. And that's like, someone could be like, oh my gosh, that person's such a legalist. And they're like, actually, no, that person's taking very seriously the relationship that God has. So, right. Our, the capacity for relationship doesn't mean 
that you're saying, oh, there's no rules, nothing matters. It's saying, actually, you're asking a deeper question and saying, hey, God, I want to love you and be loved by you. And I am loved by you. But there are things that make me forget that. Mm -hmm. How can I get rid of the things that make me be tempted to forget how much you love me and how much you have for me in relationship with you? Sure. Because I think I've been asking this question through the series of like, doesn't mean God doesn't want us to do things. Doesn't mean he doesn't want us to do our devotions. But the heart in which we do our devotions is what he's after. Mm -hmm. To say, do you come before me saying, I get to spend time in God, like with God in, in when I read his word, I get to experience him. And some days it's awesome. And some days it's like, I trust that you were here. I am going to work now. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's not always this like emotional feeling I have in the morning when I read my Bible, but it's the trusting to say little by little, I'm sometimes you go on dates probably with your wife and they're awesome. And sometimes you go on dates and you're like, we committed to do this because we love each other. And that's what we're in for. Like the relationship of marriage has been the most helpful. And I'm not married myself, but I look at marriages and I say, that makes so much sense to me to say some days it's awesome and some days it's not. And that's okay. Meaning they're committed. The commitment proceeds, (laughs) like mm, proceeds is the right word. The commitment is the, is the waters that like love swims in. And there's moments that are awesome. And there's moments that are just normal. They're every day. And God, God works with us in these everyday moments that we have moments that are amazing and we have moments that are very normal and we have moments that are very hard, but the truth of the covenant stays the same. That he, the only reason I can be in it is because of him and I get to enjoy him because of that. Yeah. Um, that's been some of the language that's been like super helpful for like me thinking about, I want him to, to talk about everything with me. I want him to, to point out areas in which my heart isn't aligned to his. Um, that's so good. Um, and then the question I'm going to move past this one because I want to get to this point, but we're probably running out of time. Um, we talked about counting the cost, and you kind of almost compared Zacchaeus' story to the rich young ruler. Um, and when I look at counting the cost, I think about evangelism. Like I think about sometimes we have like this salesman tactic in evangelism where we're like, everything's going to get better, which like is true. Like categorically, it's better to be in a relationship with God than it is to not be in a relationship with God. But we're inviting people actually to die, to be resurrected in a new relationship with God. And so how do you think the concept of counting the cost to be a disciple affects the way that we think about evangelism and inviting people into a relationship with Jesus? It's a great question. Um, it's a question that Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrestled with. Yeah. Uh, so I mentioned him in the sermon. Dietrich Bonhoeffer um, was a, a pastor theologian in uh, Germany in the 1930s, 1940s yeah. under Nazi rule. And he was famous because he opposed uh, Nazi policy, rescued Jews, uh, yeah. pushed back against uh, the Nazi government, and they they hanged him for it. Um, so, but he, in uh, one of his books, uh, he it's uh, called The Cost of Discipleship. He, he talks about cheap grace mm. being the enemy of Christianity in Germany. Yeah. Um, and what he was talking about with cheap grace was this idea that there was just a cultural Christianity in Germany. So if you were, you know, baptized into the Lutheran church as a yeah. baby, if you, you know, show up to church once in a while, um, if you read the Bible occasionally or strive to maybe follow some of the Ten Commandments, that that, that makes you a Christian. Yeah. Uh, so we talked about this idea of cheap grace, that it really doesn't require anything of us. Mm. Um, being a Christian really doesn't make a difference in how you, you know, perform your job or mm-hmm. how you, uh, it doesn't impact your marriage or anything. It's just sort of this cheap grace. It's just yeah. there, we're accepted in Jesus. Oh, that's great. And, you know, take communion from time to time to remember that. But mm. 
Um, so he pushed back against that concept. And I think here in the United States, and things are shifting now because, yeah. you know, everyone talks about moving to like a post-Christian culture. Yeah. But for a long time um, in the United States, it was this idea of, you know, you have a big revival or you have a big crusade and you can fill up a baseball stadium and Billy Graham will come speak and you invite people to come down and they'll raise their hand, walk the aisle, sign the card, right? And this idea, Jesus died for your sin. You're a sinner. You need Jesus. All true. Yes. Um, but I think what we've communicated uh, oftentimes is that, hey, by, by raising your hand or by signing that card, that makes you a Christian. Mm. Um, maybe they didn't fully understand the gospel, uh, or maybe there was just like a, a thin veneer of spirituality and sort of an emotional moment, yeah. oh, I need something else. And then they walk away and nothing in their life changes. If you pledge to follow Jesus and then nothing in your life changes, you're not following Jesus. Yes. I mean, I... I I just said it. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, that, yeah. it's that simple. It's that yeah. clear. Yeah. That's the truth. Yeah. Um, Jesus says that we must take up our cross daily. Uh, cross is an instrument of execution, right? We're, we're dying to the things of the world. We're dying to yeah. our old way of living. We're dying to our sinful nature. Yeah. Um, and we're experiencing new life in Jesus Christ. And it's a battle. It's a fight. Yeah, it's yeah, an yeah. ongoing fight, yeah. right? But where there's no fight, there's no true faith. Yes. There's yes. no true faith in Christ. So, yeah. um, I think that's the danger, um, that we might, and sometimes, uh, I've, I've been challenged a few times by like older saints who had, are used to like 50 or 60 years of church experience where there's sort of like a, an altar call that just says, Hey, you want to get saved? Come on down here. Yeah. And they would sort of, well, how come you're not doing that? And that's a hard question to answer, yeah. but I'm trying to help them understand why well, I think we can sort of be leaning towards a cheap grace in yes. that situation where we never see someone again, but we, you know, not put another notch in the belt, another yeah. one saved, you yes, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I think that can be a dangerous place for us to be as yeah. Christians. Um, because, you know, when you look at the surveys, like 60% of America right now would say that they're Christians. Tough. <laughs> We all know that's not true. Yeah. Um, so I think yeah. that's kind of the danger when it comes to our evangelism that we need to understand. And by the way, I know what you meant when you said it, but we're not inviting people to die. Yeah. Jesus is inviting yes. people to die yes. to themselves to take up their crosses and follow after yes. them. That, that true salvation is identifying with Jesus's death. And then we are raised up to new spiritual life with yeah. Jesus. We are new creations. The old has passed, the new has come. Um, so I think we need to just keep that in mind. Yeah. And I remember uh, reading somewhere that the average person who comes to faith in Jesus Christ had seven intentional gospel interactions before they came to faith. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying, right, that you can't bump into somebody on the street, share the gospel with them, and then bang, like they yeah. come to faith. Like that can happen. I don't think that's the lion's the share yeah, yeah. of... Uh, people coming to know Jesus. That's not the norm. Yeah. Um, so I think that's important for us to keep in mind that like when someone really hasn't count, like, yeah. counted the cost, do they really truly understand the nature of what it means to follow Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so good. Yeah. I had a similar conversation. I was in, was in Ecuador and I was talking to a kid and like the dots were like really starting to make sense for them. And I knew there was a church that was faithfully preaching the gospel every single week. So there's a kids, there's a kids club that was there. And I said, I know that like this kid's going to be cared for and not like, like, it's not my job to sign, to make them sign this dotted line. I was with a brother and he was like, why didn't you, uh, like, why didn't you like make the child pray like the sinner's prayer? And I was like, I kind of understood like my position there of like, 
this child's connecting dots and I'm pointing them to Jesus and I know the Holy Spirit's working, meaning like if that's true and I'm like, I'm not going to pressure this moment for this kid. I actually believe that God, God's the one who works in these moments. And there's, I was like, we could have walked away being like, that kid just got saved. Or we can walk away saying God is working and we don't know what's totally happening right there. And we, and I gave the child, hey, this is what it means to know Jesus. This is reality. I just didn't pressure with this ask to say if the, if the Holy Spirit's working in their life, like I'm, I'm pretty mindful of uh, making kids make decisions. Like I work in children's ministry and I'm pretty mindful of like this moment, this belief in moments. Yeah, yeah. And, and not in this bad way, but just saying, hey, I recognize that I'm an adult who has authority in their life having like almost like yeah like over them and they're like feeling this pressure and I want them to know like actually if you decide to follow Jesus you're also tomorrow deciding to follow Jesus when I'm not there right <laughs> meaning like I'm I'm calling to them this the reality of saying if Jesus is stirring on your heart yeah say yes to him say yes to the work of him being lord and savior but also recognize that when I'm gone you're also going to have to say yes to him and that's this invitation to this journey with Jesus yeah and, and so it, it doesn't point where I get to walk out of VBS and be like, oh, 30 kids just got saved. But it's this reality of saying, I actually showed kids and invited them into a life with Jesus. I don't know when he's going to pull their ticket. Yeah. And that's going to become real to them. I'm going to be faithful to sow the seeds. And if I get to see it, awesome. It's amazing. When you see a kid to come to know Christ, you see an adult come to know Christ. It just I remember I was at Young Life. And I, I saw a kid come to know Christ and I took my Chick-fil-A cup. I smashed it on the ground. This is the best thing I've ever seen. I could do a backflip right now because you just saw God open the eyes yeah. of, of a person and it's amazing. But like, I'm not searching for those moments. I'm actually just sowing seeds, praying that God will do his radical work rather than trying to get notches on my belt. Yeah. To say, look, look at all the, look at all the people I convinced to pray this prayer yeah. to say, no, I want to point them to a journey with Jesus and a journey with me to say, Hey, I'm going after him. You want to come with me? Yeah. And, and saying, Hey, for like the kids that I steward in kids ministry to say every week, I'm just trying to help them love God more. Every week I'm trying to invite them into this journey with Jesus to say, hey, keep going. Keep going because it's, it's a lifetime. Yeah, no, that's good. And I think if we're never making a specific ask or yeah. giving someone a specific opportunity to to embrace Christ or coming alongside them and, and yeah. even just giving them language for what they're yes. experiencing in their heart, I think we're doing it wrong. Yeah, totally agree. But if, if all we're doing is asking people to sign a card or raise yes. their hand, I think maybe we're doing it wrong as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah there's this tension to say. There are moments where he's going to say, hey, Tell this person, I've, and I've had moments where I've said, hey, this is what God requires for you to accept him as Lord and Savior. And you can pray right now to receive that. Meaning today is the acceptable day of salvation. I still believe that, yeah. <laughs> that, that there's moments where he, he turns blind eyes and it's, it's the moment it's very cool to be a part of. But recognizing, yeah, every moment is not that. I'm not forcing someone to get to that, but I'm inviting them to say, hey, if you, if you want this, it's, it's here for you. Yeah. And if they say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it, there's no fear because God's the one who's doing the work anyway. It's not me who's forcing them across that, yeah. that, that finish line. Yeah, amen. Um, yeah, that's so good. Pastor Brennan, I, it has been a joy uh, to spend this time with you. Is there any final thoughts you have before we pray for, for our listeners? I guess just keep listening to the podcast, man. I, 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 yeah. I've been blessed by it. I've appreciated the, the multitude of perspectives mm-hmm. um, and, and able to, to kind of go on some tangents that yeah. the, the, the actual 40 minutes of sermon time doesn't allow. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, it's just been, it's been a blessing to me and I uh, would encourage people to continue to listen. Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, friends, uh, we love, uh, we love talking to you. Uh, Pastor Brennan, will you, will you pray for our friends before we end? Absolutely. Lord God, we thank you for this time. Uh, We thank you for your word. And Lord, we thank you that you are drawing people to yourself. I pray, Lord, that you would just awaken in us a desire, Lord, a yearning, uh, something that we can't ignore, Lord, that we want to be a part of what you're doing. 
And as you are uh, drawing people to yourself, as people are searching for more, help us to, to just walk through the doors that you're opening. And Lord, help us to, to knock on the doors, Lord, to see if you'll open them as well. Um, that we would just be a, a people who, who strive to see not yet believers uh, come to know you. Uh, so we pray that you would continue to draw people to yourself and that you would be glorified in that and that we would be uh, just amazed by what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm, thank you so much. Friends, if it's been an encouragement to you, I just ask that you would share this with a friend. Uh, we are here because we want to make much of Jesus and we want people to be able to practically live a life saying yes to him each and every day. We appreciate you and hope you have an awesome rest of your week.